So I had some friends back in the mid '80s. They, they, hey, good oh, for since, you. Yeah, so, you I, know I, what happened to him? Uh, well, I'll tell you. <laughs> Got voluntarily terminated. Yeah. So a bunch of them dis- discovered the Grateful Dead in the mid '80s, and these are all. I'm so sorry. Yeah, and these were friends that are five years younger than I am. So I'm like, you know, you guys, you kind of missed it because I mean, <laughs> you know, you're a little late. Yeah, yeah, and so I started calling them the Neo Deadheads, <laughs> but they did. They tried to recreate the '60s things. They actually, at one, they started dropping acid, and <laughs> well, that's usually how you have to start it. Yeah, yeah, and they were going to every Grateful Dead concert they could. That at one point, they even took an entire summer. They bought a used VW van and just followed the band around all one summer. And they kept trying to. <laughs> so one New Year's Eve. Uh, I'm trying to think where this story is eventually going to go. Um, uh, but I, I'm glad that uh, you <laughs> gave yourself an out. <laughs> yes. So, so, because what were we talking about? Okay. Grateful Dead, Neo Grateful, Grateful Dead, Dead okay, Friends, yeah. the 80s. They dropped acid. They dropped acid. And he kept trying to get me to do it. And, oh, I know, we're talking about my uh, fascination with simple things. Like oh, that. Thank you. Thank so, you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so, um, so at one point, they're, and they're all high. And, and in fact, one guy had, it was his initiation that night into the world of dropping acid. So what did they do? They, they gave him a tab of acid. They put him in front of a TV that was showing Grateful Dead music videos. And he just sat there the whole time just like, oh, what am I? Oh, oh my God. And just like, ah. And just like closing his eyes. And then oh, it was like a kid watching a horror movie. But he was just like, oh, what, am, what am I seeing? Oh. And so... <laughs> and then so this friend of mine kept saying anyway they had all the trip toys they had the the laser printed you know rainbow foil things i was like oh look at this and then they had you know one of those cone things that had the big spring in between and if you you know if you pluck the 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 spring it would go he goes now think what that would think how awesome that would be if you were high and i was like it's awesome now. I don't have to be high. And they did the thing with the cornstarch. You know, if you get cornstarch, kind of mix it into a paste. I can't remember what it's actually called, but it's a certain type of fluid where if you put pressure on it, it's a solid. But as soon as you lose, lose yeah. up on the pressure, right. it becomes a liquid and it flows out of your hands. He goes, oh, here, do this. I go, okay. Now what? I go, he goes, loosen up. I go, ooh, that's really cool. And he goes, think what that would be if you were high. I was like, it's yeah. cool now. Yeah. I don't have to yeah. be high. If you have to be high to appreciate how cool that is or the thing. <laughs> I just I just thought of something that would really freak your friends out. Oh. You get a you get a room tall glass of water, room temperature, right? Okay. You put your hand in some cold water, no. ice water. You put your hand in some very warm water, you know? And then you take your hands out and both hands grab the glass of water um with the ice hand it's going to feel warm with the hot water hand it's going to feel cool and it was really funny that you mentioned this steve because i do i sit there right now and i'm like that's pretty cool yeah i remember telling that story in the transit corridor at star trek the experience everyone have a drink (laughs) and everybody just looking at me like 
what's wrong with you? Like, th- that's one of the most boring things I've ever heard in my life. <sighs> no and, fascination with science. Yeah, and I was just like, oh, okay, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. And, you and, do, and you're in the corridor of Trek. You know, How exactly. dare you? And so now I'm walking away from that, and I'm just like, okay, now I understand why I... I never really did drugs because I don't need <laughs> drugs to see how cool the world around me is. Apparently, yeah. <laughs> oh, I God. just know. It was anyway. So you're asking what happened to the friend? Let's bring everyone in first. Welcome to Geek Shock <laughs> number six hundred and sixty-nine. I am Master Torgo, Commander K, and featuring with Professor Biggs <laughs> and Where to Talk Week and Geek. Yeah, we're missing a few people, but we'll get into that in a second. Go on with your story, <laughs> Professor. So he continued to drop acid. This this friend. Oh well, actually, the one thing is, <laughs> no, you should just do it. I was like, I was like, you know, I understand theoretically where you guys are coming from. That the whole thing of you know uh, the government putting a lid on it once you know. Uh, some adverse reactions that happened to it and everything. And that we really should be seeing if there's some controlled way of seeing if it did, you know, unlock potential and blah, 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 blah. I understand that that's a, that's a legit, you know, thing. We should kind of unlock the, the box a little bit and actually do some actual studies on how it affects, you know, different people and everything whether it gives you spider powers and that sort of thing sure yeah yeah or telekinesis or which it, it wouldn't but um and i said i understand that 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 is theoretically what you guys are all up in arms about but you're not doing it like that you're doing it like you're drinking a six-pack of beer <laughs> i go and and prime example look at matt sitting there watching those grateful dead videos like i really want to behave like that <laughs> yeah, that's the other reason I've never really done because I've never sat there and watched somebody on drugs and went, "Oh, that looks really cool. I gotta try." That. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? And then I, and then my final thing with him was was so, so Tony, I think if I drop acid, I'll go crazy. So what's going to happen? He goes, "Oh well, yeah, you'll probably go crazy." And I was like, well, so "Then why do I want to?" And I said, "And let me tell you this: if one of you assholes decides it'd be a cool thing to dose me without telling me, there is a Jekyll and Hyde aspect of this whole thing too." <laughs> and I go, "I keep, I keep Hyde, you know, down pretty good. But anyone who's ever seen me lose my temper knows he's there." And let that be a warning to you all. That's right. You just see Steve with the baseball bat going, I'm gonna, oh. And then he looks at the baseball bat trails. I wonder what this would look like with your blood on it. Quick, get the cone spring. Get the cone spring. Steve, isn't this cool? Boing, boing, boing. Uh, I'm going crazy. Run, run while you can. Yeah, I had a, a friend. He used to. He did drugs, but he also used to have fun with drug people. And I remember one summer we were in the mall and we ran into one of his friends. Typical metalhead, druggy type guy <laughs> came in and, you know, he's wearing the glasses. And and uh, Mike is just like, yeah, yeah, he's fucked up. Oh, this is going to be fun. He's like, hey, Jed, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then Mike just starts going, that just is and the guy's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he said, like, yeah, man. <laughs> and he's just, and I'm like, boy, you know, I don't need to, to hear medical statistics. Just show me a video of that when I was 12. And I'm off of the idea of drugs for good. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, boy. Man. So you may have noticed we're missing a few people. This is true. Uh, Deb and Barry came back from their vacation feeling a little ill. Uh, Deb is dealing with it with uh, some some medication, and for some reason Barry's dealing with it by attaching him to the self to the back of a human centipede. I'm not sure if that's going to work, but mm. uh, good luck, Anya. Yeah, sure. Blarg. Um, so uh, yeah, yeah, we're just going to enter this new year with the three of us, the three <laughs> actors of the oh. cast. Just the uh, three of us. See, we can do musicals. We can. There's no Barry to stop us. That's right. Barry, you fucking bastard. (laughs) Lily's eyes. I got the karaoke track. Oh, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) I I forgot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh boy. The uh, uh, for you Kofi members, we have just dropped the fifth and final episode of our Super Fight series. That's where we play the game Super Fight, record it for your entertainment. Uh, we now have our super group. So if you've been following along with that, the finale is there for you now. And if you haven't been following along because you're not a Kofi member, go to ko-fi.com slash geekshock where you can find out all the good tier stuff. But all tier members have access to the extra recorded goodies. So go to the Kofi Google Drive and find it there. Uh, that being said, uh, since that series has ended, we will be starting a new series. Hopefully, by the end of this month, sometime we'll start episode one of that, uh, where we'll be playing The King's Dilemma. Uh, the King's Dilemma <laughs> is a kingdom-running argument game <laughs> where you, it is a legacy game, so the game itself is destroys itself as you play it, and there's only one way through it, and your story will be yours your own and the decisions you make as a group affect the kingdom for better or worse most likely worse so uh stay tuned for is this that. is this a physical game this is a physical board game called the king's dilemma uh it's won many many awards uh its sequel is supposed to come out soon uh called the uh, queen's dilemma imagine that how creative mm-hmm <laughs> Uh, but uh, that one, I think the new one, I think has a little more of a board component to it, a map and so on. So I think you have to watch that one visually. But the way that the King's Dilemma is designed, it's all done through storytelling with cards. Uh, the only board concept shows you uh, where certain things are in your land, like how education is going, where the people are being fed, overall morale, things like that. Mm. Ki- you know, kingdom stats. Yeah. So, yes, it's going to lend itself well to an audio show, especially when everyone doesn't agree. Everyone is picks a house. Their house has their own agenda. You win the game by completing your house's agenda, but you don't want to do it by also destroying the kingdom along the way. Unless that's your agenda, so <laughs> it's yeah, it's basically Game of Thrones, the game without the license. Yeah, I was gonna say it's uh, it, they could have licensed this as a small council. Yeah, I th- yeah, I think they uh, saved themselves a little money doing it this yeah. way. But uh, I have I've been trying to track it down for a while, been having a hard time finding it. Finally, finally found it for a, a price I was willing to pay for it, and so now it's in our hands, and we'll be coming to a future uh, Kofi show near you. And again, go to ko-fi.com/geekshock to learn more about those tiers. But again, all Kofi members get access to that particular are, show. Are you going to make Barry and Deb tear the cards? Uh, you know what? 
if there is any ter- car tearing that has to go with this. And I'm not sure this has full tearing in it. But there are stickers that permanently mar the board that show what decisions have been made and whose fault it was. So that does uh, that does physically alter things completely. It's it's not as a deadly legacy as Gloomhaven, okay. but uh, but God, it's there. It's so funny when he first mentioned this, they started arguing again. Yeah, it's immediately. Like, immediately, it was hilarious. It was like this is going to be great. Yeah, they don't even have houses yet. They don't even have a dilemma yet. They're just arguing whether or not this is going to work. Yeah. No, we're not. Why do you tear things? You kill the replayability of the game. <laughs> That's just it with legacy games. It's not about replayability. It's about a unique experience that is just for the players of that game. Yeah, but you can have that if you got the stickers you can remove and you don't tear the cards. Cry more. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, that should uh, be one of the... Uh, We'll have to make that one of the cards on the Geek Shock board game. Yeah. It's just like, uh, um, do you tear the card or not? Just, uh, Barry and Deb cry and prevent you from tearing the card. Move back one space. Make a constitution check. Yeah, something like Except that. for Jeff. Make a dexterity check. Yeah. Well, that's yeah, Andy. <laughs> So, gentlemen, uh, it's been a little while. What geeky things did you do at the end of the year? Oh, you, Steve, why don't you do it? (laughs) (laughs) We're doing the end of Good, Bad, and the Ugly here. Um, (laughs) um, Well, so um, I I finished up the year doing what has become a holiday tradition for me, doing the It's a Wonderful Life radio show. Ah, wonderful. Yeah. Wonderful life. Yes. And so this year I got to play Mr. Potter and uh, Joseph, the superintendent of angels, and Nick, the bartender, and the sheriff, the sheriff who is a different voice every night, different celebrity guest star. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Yeah. So this year, year the sheriff was uh, Pat Buttram, (laughs) Walter Brennan, John Wayne, Henry Fonda, Lionel Barrymore, and Jimmy Stewart. Of course. (laughs) Why why wouldn't it be? Yeah. And all it is is, is, uh, you know, George, I have a little paper here for you. That's it. That's the only. That's the, that's the line. That's the line. <laughs> Such that costs you so much money to do that. So it yeah. must just just residuals alone are going to break your your company. Oh, yeah, except it's public domain. Oh shit. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's Todd. It's a Wonderful Life is one of those movies that kind of fell through the cracks when the ah, copyright renewal. That's why. That's actually isn't that why? Mm-hmm. Isn't that why it was all over yeah. television because it. Yeah, and, and all kinds of different versions. I'm not sure, like, if you get, uh, like, a current DVD, because, of course, somebody did, like, a major restoration of it. Because, of course, for TV, it was all cut up, and, you know, so it depended on which channel you saw it, if you're going to get the hour-and-a-half version or the full two-hours-and-12-minute version. And so now, if you buy a, a DVD or Blu-ray, you get the full two hours and 12 minutes but uh, so i'm not sure if the restoration is copyrighted or not but the actual movie itself is public domain so except the story's not the story it's based on oh yeah and that's why they're gonna amityville that all to hell (laughs) yeah but now we're getting uh, sherlock holmes this year right this is the year of sherlock holmes or is it next year steve right uh well (laughs) or is it 2024 
oh, that everything is uh, everything is in public domain because most of it's in public domain. Right, right but now. I think everything. Yeah, if yeah, they, yeah. Like, if you want to do Sherlock Holmes, anything, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because there was an author who uh, did sue the Conan Doyle estate about copyright. And the judge found in his favor and said that, yeah, all of these stories, which is the bulk of them, uh, are in public domain. It's on both sides of the Atlantic. Um, And so there's been this huge explosion of new Sherlock Holmes novels and short stories and everything like that. And I'm a big Sherlock Holmes fan, so I've been eating that stuff up. Some of it's really good. Some of it's very inventive. Like the one of the ones I read recently was uh, Sherlock Holmes and the Spider's Web, and it's Sherlock Holmes solving a mystery with all of these characters from Oscar Wilde plays and novels and stuff. And I was like, Oh, oh well, this. fun! And it was. It was very fun. Oh wow! Um, and then, and then one of the ones that I got recently, and this will lead into what another geeky thing that you did that you will like. Uh, when Confess Fletch came out, I just got curious, and I was like, oh, "I wonder how much you know," because I have all the all of the Fletch books, and now I have all of the Flynn books by Gregory McDonald. And so, you know, I was talking about, I guess, Confess Fletch, and so of course on Facebook, uh, Confess Fletch now published by Blackstone Publishing. I was like, "Huh, well, well, I'll just go check it out, to, you know, see if," because I didn't know when Gregory McDonald died. I didn't know if he'd written more Fletch books than the ones that I have. And so I went to this Blackstone Publishing, and then one of the things that came up was um, uh, a book called Holmes Coming, I think, by by Kenneth Johnson of uh, Bionic Woman V oh. uh, V fame. Like like modern Bionic Woman or the original Bionic Woman? Uh, the Lindsay Wagner. Okay, okay. And then the original, well, actually, I guess both Vs he had a hand in, but... The '80s V and then okay. the remake too, and and I was reading the synopsis, and and the name Kenneth Johnson hadn't hadn't clicked with me yet, and I was like, God, this sounds really familiar. This sounds like a, you know, one of those failed pilots from like the '80s or '90s where where Holmes is found in a, you know, in a cryogenic thing, and then you know he's now back around in uh, you know modern day. And the the Watson is a female doctor who's found him, and you know one of Watson's ancestors or something like that. And sure enough, he wrote that. <laughs> he wrote and produced that pilot, and I found it on YouTube. And I and I'm so I watched that, and then I got and then the book came in the mail, and I was like, okay, he did a real nice job of updating it from early '90s, I want to say. And and updating all the references to you know twenty twenty two or twenty twenty I can't remember when he actually published it, but I, I I just thought that was fascinating. I was like, well, somebody somebody's not, like Ian Fleming. Someone's not afraid to re <laughs> you know, to rehash an old uh, you know an old failed uh, you know movie or TV project. And what's that called again? Holmes coming. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah. very cool. Yeah. And it, in modern day San Francisco. And even the original pilot, the, I would say that the only weak link in that original pilot was sadly the woman that played the doctor. But I just I don't know if she's not that good an actress or she was just directed badly. Mm. So it's kind of tough. But the actor playing uh, Holmes was the actor that played Moriarty in Young Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> Michael Higgins? Something like that. Mm. He's very good. Very British name. Oh, yes. 
Uh, and then, of course, the other thing was Blackstone had a, you know, buy three books or buy X dollar amount and you get free shipping. So I was like, okay, well, I'll get that. And then what else do they got? And I did. I checked the Greg McDonald thing. I was like, there's a Flynn book that I haven't read mm-hmm. called Flynn's World. And so I, I got that. And that, it was like all Gregory McDonald books. It's a delight. It's, <laughs> it's just, the, the character of Flynn was introduced in the book, uh, Fletch. Sadly, he's not in the movie version, although a character that's standing in for him very much behaves like Flynn did. But I'm just like, does that mean that somebody else has got the rights to the Flynn character? <laughs> you know, I don't know. You never know about rights issues. But that book is is tons of fun. And it's very short, too. It's They all are. Yeah. Um, and then the third book that I got was uh, a bunch of short or <laughs> as a short-ish stories by Corey Doctorow, which have a very, have a very sort of black mirror, you know, that's what he that's, writes. That's Corey. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and they're good. And, and, and he, in this book, he's got ones and he talks about how, you know, you can't, you cannot copyright titles. Um, and so he's got, he's got a book, a story in there called I robot. And, <laughs> and then there's another one called I Robot, which is, which is about a sentient robot, uh, tourist rowboat. Nice, nice. And, all, and apparently all the humans have uploaded their consciousness into these drones that are going out into the universe, but they've left behind their bodies. And so AI then downloads itself into these, into the human shells. And that's who he takes out to the, like the reefs in Australia and all this oh, type wow. of stuff until he realizes that one of the shells actually has a human in it. <laughs> that's a doctoral joint. Yeah. And then, uh, and then one's called Man Who Sold the Moon, and which is very much... I, I Now I'm curious to go and reread the Heinlein uh, mm. book again because I think with by telling a completely different story, he actually still follows the structure of Heinlein's book about, about a guy trying to get to the moon or yeah. get something done on the moon. <clears throat> and I'm like, oh, that's... <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. So I I actually do recommend all three of those. The Holmes Coming. Again, it's a male, and in this case, an elderly male author writing from a female, a young female point of view. So it gets a little eh, every now and then, <laughs> but it's still it's a fun story. And and the times when Holmes completely blows it in his deductions because technology and society has changed and so he starts to question he's like I don't even know what I'm doing here anymore I knew the streets of London like the back of my hand and I have you know he doesn't understand computers or actually he picks up on computers very quickly and once he realizes oh these have a very logical yeah really oh <laughs> a soulmate yeah exactly <laughs> um, you marry me mm-hmm. yeah um, <laughs> he but, walks uh, up to his computer and he's like Irene yes <laughs> Yes, yes, Sherlock. Yeah, open the file on. Yeah. Well, I would, but you were very nasty to me. You, you know, you, <laughs> you mentioned the, uh, the uh, public domain, because now I'm thinking we need to do a Geek Shock radio play. Oh, boy. Of Hound of the Baskervilles. Oh, do we now? Except mm. it's Hound of the Barryvilles. Oh, no. <laughs> and uh, cast is all of Geek Shock, and, uh, and you know, we uh, just um, 
capitalized on Barry's celebrated dislike of dogs. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, you know what? If you write it, they will come. <laughs> uh, what else? Uh, I did go see... Um, I did go see Babylon. That, that that sounded not exciting. No, no, no. It's gorgeous. The acting in it is is really kind of pretty spectacular, especially from the uh, especially from Brad Pitt and Margot Robbie. But uh, I mean, everyone in it's really good. It's just it's it's exactly what happens when you give somebody who's had success in low or mid budget movies and they're like. Like, hey, Damien Chazelle, here's a shitload of money. Now what are you going to do? I'm going to do whatever the fuck I feel like. And it's like, maybe somebody needs to sit on them a little bit. So what's what's Babylon for those who don't know? So Babylon basically, and and uh, Babylon covers the transition from uh, silent movies to uh, sound movies and um, deals with all of the debauchery and everything that was going on in Hollywood at the time. As if it doesn't still go on uh but but back then you know pre haze code they were just i mean they were throwing everything on on screen and um and so it kind of deals with all that deals with drug abuse and all this and really it's based on some actual true life events like brad pitt's character is sort of a an amalgam of a bunch of different silent movie actors that never made it into talkies particularly john gilbert um Margot Robbie's character is kind of very loosely based on Clara Bow, who did, you know, who did have a New York uh, accent, uh, which she couldn't lose, and all this, um, and then some other stuff. There's a, the, a little side thing about the Fatty Arbuckle scandal, where he got caught with an underage uh, girl who then died. Um, there's some side, you know, glances at the whole William Randolph Hearst. Um, mysterious death of of thomas Ince on aboard his yacht that to this day nobody's ever gotten a clear story about well did he actually was he actually killed or did he really have uh an infected ulcer that did him in and yeah so it's it covers all that material well, see, and it's it, sad this makes it sound interesting to it, me. it 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 is mm-hmm. it is interesting, but it's three hours and nine minutes, and it could it could have it, yeah it could have easily been a very good two and a half hour you know two fifteen two and a half hour movie. It's just there's too much. There's just it and it gets all off on all these weird little side tracks and side tangents. There are parts in it that are very funny, parts in it that are very moving. Uh, it, it's very much like a Zack Snyder joint. There's all these really great sort of set pieces, but it, as an overall movie, it doesn't really hold together. And like late stage PT Anderson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and then there was one. Oh boy, uh, a friend of mine posted. She goes, "Oh, it sounds like they're ripping off Singing in the Rain." I said, "No, there are homages in there, and yeah, it does cover the same territory." I said, "But it's a completely different story." I I don't I don't recall the scenes where. Debbie Reynolds is snorting lines off a table and singing in the rain. I might have yeah. fallen asleep. Yeah. I do remember it in Sunset Boulevard, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Nor, nor is there the scene where uh, where Cosmo has to go and take fake studio money to try to pay off her debts, and then the crime, the drug crime lord takes him down to the, into the uh, unused subway uh, 
build that they were doing back then. And there's just all kinds of like pimps and geeks and, and little people getting thrown and, and crocodiles on the loose and guys <laughs> basically taking chunks out of each other in a, in a bar. I was like, okay, I'm on board again. Yes, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they needed Steve to market this movie. <laughs> yeah. Don't go see this. Cause it's got all this in it. And, and normally that stuff doesn't bother me. And it didn't bother me here. I just, it, it just, it just misses connecting to it, all of these various story things together really well. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's tons of singing in the rain homages in there. And this, like I said, this one article is like, oh, look, Damien Chazelle's ripping off singing in the rain. It's like, you people need to learn, understand what the difference is between an homage and a ripoff. Yes. He's not ripping they it don't, off. They don't either. No. The preoccupation with originality and the definition of... Anything I can remotely recognize is a ripoff. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, dude. Yeah, and of course, what what that article also doesn't understand is Singing in the Rain was also using true life events <laughs> in their yeah. in their story. So, yeah, so probably the Lena Lamont character was based on Clara Bow. Yeah, really. And that character I could believe doing uh, lines of coke. Off of. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What's the matter with me? I am a shining star in the Hollywood firmament. Man. Who says so? I can get some right cocaine here. and some heroin while you're at it. I can. I can almost uh, see Margot Robbie doing that. Now. You should do the radio play of that, Steve. You play that role very well. Yeah, oh, yeah, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Oh yeah. So, uh, so a friend of mine. Uh, oh, and of course. The the it's wonderful life. Uh, this is I played the same roles today. I got the nomination for my major OCTG award last year, <laughs> which I didn't win. I knew I was. Yeah, but you that. deserved it. You deserved it. Now Orange County no, no, Theater no. Guilt. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I I like just pulled that out of my ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that was that was it. <laughs> Uh, wow! And, the, and this friend of mine goes. He says, "I love your Potter." And, and, and I said, mm. and he, "I said, yeah." I said, uh, "I said, you know, I can I can do a, a passable Lionel Barrymore, but that would just, you know, it's like doing Jimmy Stewart as George Bailey. It's like you know, it would be fun for the first five minutes, and then people would just go, <laughs> okay, stop now. Yeah, just yeah. actually play the character.'" And I said, "So yeah, so I don't do the Lionel Barrymore no, Potter. No. I, I I do the Clancy Brown <laughs> Potter." Oh my. <laughs> God. <laughs> yeah. So look at you crawling in here on your hands and knees. <laughs> wow, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Holy crap. Yeah. Lex Luthor is Potter. Yeah, oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I never put that together before. Yeah. Oh, and and one of my one of my colleagues on this and she goes, God, you have that line. It's an invented scene that they did for the radio play because you have to explain the missing eight thousand dollars and that Potter has it and all this. And uh, so he's having a conversation with a bank examiner who, and this is named Sadie, Sadie Vance. And um, and so at one time she goes, oh, you have to return to blah, blah, blah. And so there's this line that goes, how's your family, Sadie? And this friend of mine says, every time you say that, she goes, I just, it's so creepy. I just get chills. <laughs> and so our final dress rehearsal, and the way it goes is she has some line, and then there's a pause, and then I go, how's your family, Sadie? And everyone, everyone went, oh! 
<laughs> and then we kept going, and it's like, it's like, how would you like a nice little Christmas bonus this year? Oh, Jesus. And they're like, oh, it's just getting worse. Even me, I can't even take it. I can't even. Wow. Uh, well, let's see. What have I been doing? Well, you know what? I, based on Barry's suggestion, I tried High on Life on the Xbox. Uh, it's the Justin Roiland first-person shooter game. The, <laughs> mm, yeah. The, the voice of Rick and Morty. I saw that. Uh, I'm not as taken with it as Barry was. Um, it's a perfectly enjoyable game. It's beautiful to look at. Lots of colors. Um, I just don't think it functions as well as a shooter. Uh, that's the the story of the game is very Justin Roiland. Uh, aliens attack Earth because it's discovered that smoking human beings give some of the best high in the universe. Mm. So, but uh, your house is transported from Earth to the alien city, so your little suburban house is now in the middle of a metropolitan area, and you join up, you become a bounty hunter somehow, and you're now taking out the heads of the people that are attacking Earth. Uh, all the guns talk, which is very, very charming. Uh, Justin Rowling is, plays the first gun, and, it's, and he plays it with the Morty voice, and so there's... If you're a Rick and Morty fan, that alone will get you on board. It's full of that kind of humor, and that's not what the, the issue I have with the game. The the world building itself is fun. It's there's there's no rules. It's just crazy town, and it's expe- exactly what you expect from Roiland. It's just that as a shooter, I don't think it's that much fun. Like <laughs> like the aim is kind of wonky, and and the. There, there, there's just not much as far as like they kind of put some they don't really do any kind of character growth in it which I think I kind of like in games now where I want your character to increase in skills over time uh, you gain different kinds of weapons and different weapons have different secondary functions sure but I'm like oh, it's it's still just a pistol and a shotgun and and the if it weren't for all the Roiland humor in it I think it would have been out ages ago. It, mm. it it feels like a game made, and it is a game made by a small studio that kind of needed more time to cook. Mm-hmm. But that's as far as gameplay goes. Because again, story and environment, it's wonderful. It's it's fantastic. It's beautiful, colorful, and a joyous experience. Mm. But I, I find myself not wanting to return to it because the gameplay itself just isn't engaging to me. It's. Uh, it, it, it's, I mean, Call of Duty does the same thing to me. It's, it's It seems to be more and more of the same over and over again, except that game, the, the shooter mechanics are spot on. The, the, the gun work, the gun play on it on Call of Duty is fantastic. And that's why I'm willing to try it every now and then, say, hey, how is it advancing now? And I usually don't even get through the story on it, but at least um, it's compelling enough to continue on more continuous, continuous. Just not th- this one for some reason. I just, I don't know. I thought I'd take to it more than I did. I'm not dissing the game overall. It's chied out, especially if you like Rick and Morty. Definitely your bag, but uh, not uh, not so much mine. And I also tried Gotham Knights. Mm. Gotham Knights, the... Uh, the multiplayer successor to the Arkham series of Batman games. Uh, oh, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, this. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a, what a misfire. Um, the story starts interesting. Batman's dead, or is he? Batman's <laughs> dead, and so 
the uh, the heir apparent, uh, Batgirl, uh, Tim Drake, uh, all all the Robins, uh, <laughs> Nightwing. They're all you have those four characters to choose from, and you go out having to replace Batman, foiling crime and advancing the story. Uh, the, the problem is, is that it was fun for four hours. For four hours, I was really enjoying this, and then I realized. The game has nowhere else to go, and I'll be repeating those same four hours for the next 60. <laughs> and then it got boring real fast. Mm. And the story wasn't interesting enough, nor was the combat interesting enough to continue. Mm. What made the Rocksteady Arkham games so good is they nailed combat. The, the whole attack and counter system that they employed. They also did the same thing in the Lord of the Rings uh, game that came out, the, uh, the open world action game that they came out with, the Shadows of Overboard and all that. Uh, just a great attack. It is, the timing on that and the combos that you could rack up with it was really interesting and made fighting fun every time you did it. For some reason, this game didn't put in a counter system and puts in a dodge system that's absolute crap. Mm. and it completely breaks the fighting formula in it. Mm. And put on top of that, that it has horrible pathfinding for your character. The, the targeting of people is awful. Like, someone will shoot on an area effect thing. You'll dodge away from it. Oh, no, you just dodged into the area effect, not going where you wanted to go, but where the AI thought you wanted to go. It's it's just Ooh. effing broken hmm. through and through. Uh, it looks pretty. Uh, that's not enough in this case. It's enough in the Justin Roiland case. It's not in this one. This this game is a, a, a full-priced mess. It's It doesn't feel as bad as a live service game like uh, Avengers, the multiplayer of that. Uh, but it's, it's certainly just... It has no right to be that boring for an action Batman game. Yeah. And again, four hours was great. But you want more than that for your 60 bucks. So... <laughs> So, yeah, I can't recommend that at all. Uh, but I will uh, talk about a book. Uh, you will? I started, yeah, I'm kind of oh. reading a book I'm really enjoying. But before we get into that, I, I didn't bring it up last time. Uh, I, at the end of December, mid-December, I decided to reread Red Shirts by John Scalzi. Uh, Kirsten gave me this book uh, about a decade ago at this point. And... Uh, whether you know it or not, that really kind of re-kicked off my enjoyment of science fiction. Hmm. Uh, I kind of, up to that point, was just reading a lot of nonfiction and some horror and just kind of sticking with that. Right. After reading Red Shirts, it just, all of a sudden, that just, bam, science fiction, I want more of that. Well, good on John Scalzi. Uh, and, hmm. and good on you for giving that to me. Oh, well, sure. Uh, but... Uh, if you haven't read Red Shirts, uh, it is a phenomenal book. It's uh, if you don't like John Scalzi, it's it's one hundred percent Scalzi. It's a Star Trek pastiche, but super meta. It is people in a Star Trek universe that realize that they are being their lives are being written in another universe. <laughs> it's so good and so meta. It doesn't end strong. It's like it. It ends properly three quarters of the way, and then he has some addendum vignettes of other characters and so on that are, are semi-poignant, but doesn't uh, really drive home that this is the better ending. Poignant but, or pertinent? Poignant. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Not pertinent. <laughs> poignant. <clears throat> 
but uh, but it's even even with that small critique of it, it's it's a fantastic read, especially if you're a fan of Star Trek in any way. The original series, particularly, it's a must. It is an absolute must read. Uh, but I've started a book called Salvation uh, by Peter F. Hamilton. Kirsten, uh, you're obviously familiar with the name. I've heard that name. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I, it was a book I started blindly. Like, I was done with red shirts. I'm like, I'm still feeling science fiction now that I've got that taste back in my mouth. So I literally went into Libby and just started scrolling through what science fiction books are available now. And mm. this, is one, this one popped up and like, Okay, Pikachu, I choose you. And <laughs> I it, it just, I am really fucking enjoying this book. Uh, it's called Salvation. It's, it's a semi-thick book, about 550 pages. It is uh, a, a future where space travel is no longer all that necessary because humans have figured out portals now. Mm-hmm. Quantum portals to wherever they want to go and the implications of how that changes and breaks and fixes parts of society. Mm-hmm. Really interesting, uh, but there's this wonderful overarching story. When I say wonderful, it's just a wonderful mystery because I'm still reading it, don't know what it's about, where a ship is discovered on a faraway planet, crashed, and inside are uh, humans in basically cryostasis, and they don't know how that got there. And mm. there is no like a- attacking aliens in this world so far. Uh, but it's, it's, they send some of the top corporate people to go investigate this. And what this book does really well, it started off a little slow, but the, it has a lot of dialogue that keeps it really interesting. But it introduces that overarch story, but then it starts going into these in-depth histories about these people that are on this mission. Kind of like uh, Hyperion by Dan Simmons in that regard. Uh, but in my opinion, a little, little better. Uh, the first story about the uh, security head security officer and the guy that's in charge of getting rid of old uh, Earth radio, radioactive junk by jettisoning it into space. That's his job through portals. <laughs> and their story was just, oh, kiss of beauty. I, the moment that story began, I was like, wait, wait, where, where are we going this back? And I kind of pushed against it. But before long, not only was I on board, I can't wait to learn more about these other characters because what that story did was just cement into making these characters just rich and just pull right off. And I'm like, I, I had never seen such great building of characters in a very interesting, fun story with such high stakes. Um, so I'm again, I'm a third of the way through the book and just loving it. It's called uh, uh, Salvation. Again, the book is by Peter F. Hamilton. Uh, he's known for building big sci-fi operas. He's done a multi-book series before this. This is a brand new one uh, that's uh, started, so... I don't know where it's going to go, but I'm excited for the journey. <laughs> Kate, what'd you do? Uh, well, I got COVID. <laughs> that sounds like a great time. Yeah, that was interesting. Um, I it, didn't get. I sim- didn't get you anything. <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh, um. I didn't get really sick, so that's I just, great. I just felt that I had. 
um, bad allergies. In fact, I was kind of scared because the more I look back on it, the more I think I might have been starting symptoms when we did that last show we did together. Most likely. Fortunately, um, I chose to wear a mask throughout the whole show. And no one uh, has... uh, And none of us got it. Yeah. That we're aware of. (laughs) That we're aware of, yeah. So I'm very happy about that. Um, And, uh, but I felt like I had bad allergies and I was tired a lot. My entire schedule went upside down. And eventually to um, uh, occupy myself during those periods, like between 10 p.m. and 7 a.m. when I was awake, um, I just started watching different things. And I've been wanting to watch Yellowstone for a while, but still Mm -hmm. can't get a hold of it for free. Or... I don't want to pay the subscription to get it because I guess I got to get Peacock. Mm-hmm. Nah, yeah. So Peacock's free, but you have commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I don't want to deal with commercials. So, <laughs> but I do have Hulu, and uh, I was bopping around and on a few other streaming services. I watched uh, an episode or two of Reacher again. I'm waiting for the new one of that. But then I figured, what the hell? I'll try one episode of Justified with Timothy <laughs> Oliphant. And I was instantly wrapped up in that. That was, uh, I was, that was really, it was really awesome. And so I've actually gone through five seasons now. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. It, well, it's not huge. Uh, it it is an FX joint, but it's a 13 episode seasons. So it's it, actually. Walton Goggins could do no wrong. That is actually the thing about have you watched justified i have only watched the first season and okay i I really need to get back on that train he is astounding i i like timothy oliphant i loved him from deadwood so i was like okay you know the modern age deadwood although there's so much specific about deadwood you, you know that's a difficult thing to say but but one of the things i love about this series is the banter the banter between Timothy Oliphant's character and his chief, um, the banter between um, Timothy Oliphant's character and uh, Ava and his uh, his ex-wife, but mostly it's Walter Goggins because he is Walton Goggins. He is amazing. He is just amazing. And you haven't even seen it all yet, Barry. A uh, Barry. You haven't even seen it all well, yet, Well, he probably Todd. hasn't either. Yeah, no, he hasn't. <laughs> yeah, Barry. Get on it, you yeah. piece of shit. <laughs> but you haven't even seen it yet if you haven't gotten into the second season yet. But he is just astounding. And it's funny because there are little bits of humor in it. Um, old Dewey Crow, who is apparently the, the comic relief character because his shit is just... It's always astoundingly, ridiculously bonkers funny. Um, but there are other things that occur throughout the series that, that are a lot of fun, too. So I've actually enjoyed watching that. It can get a little grim because it's dealing with crime, but um, it's worth it to watch Walton Goggins and also just for the writing. Um, I was reflecting back on this because... Uh, this is an older show, but this is towards the beginning of, you know, the new golden age. Yeah, it just came out when uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. was ending. Mm-hmm. 
as the new golden age of uh, Hollywood writing. And I realized that part of the golden age, this new golden age, it's not just the writing. It's the fact that TV is no longer stigmatized for actors, that you can have really, really good actors who are happy to be in TV. And one of the things that makes so many of these work, because I like, I will do things like dip into YouTube shorts of, um, say, Better Call Saul or Breaking Bad, and I'm realizing the fact that there are really great actors who are working regular in TV and not slumming anymore, I think is contributing as a whole to this golden age of TV. Because the scripts are amazing. The dialogue is amazing. And then you have these amazing people delivering it. And that's one of the things I'm really enjoying about Justified. There's no one weak. Mm -hmm. There's no one weak in the cast. And everything is just... Everyone is spot-on cast, and it's just well-written. And like I said, I really enjoy the banter. They do, uh, they do that old West trope of you know clever banter really nicely. So and it's a lot of fun. And then, um, I, uh, I was at um, if you're moving on, I just want to say if once you're done with Justified. Watch Happen Leonard next. If you like that, you're going to love Happen Leonard. Mm -hmm. Hmm. I actually did uh, start Happen Leonard a while ago, so I kind of fell out of that. I kind of need to get back into that. Um, I was joking uh, because I was at a New Year's Eve party. There was uh, someone from Kentucky there. So throughout the (laughs) night, I was joking. Oh, I've been learning about Kentucky. (laughs) And (laughs) And that was pretty fun. But it's been it. It's actually it's really good. I'm really really impressed with it. So, I read a uh, novella, maybe novelette. It, uh, I don't think it quite qualifies as a novel. Uh, by Henry Cutner called "Land of Earthquakes," which is really funny because earthquakes are not huge in it. So I don't know, but it's about this guy who has amnesia for one year of his life and he's trying to figure out what's going on and he's suddenly in this other world which has the uh, the, the fortress, the Carac of the Chevaliers from the Crusades and there are Crusaders in it and they're facing off with it's not Saracens, it's not Muslims. This world is kind of moving between dimensions into other places. Oh, fun. And then there's this character who is split into two parts, and that's contributing to the whole world, the whole city, the fortress drifting between worlds. And one of the Crusaders, the reason this guy somehow got caught up in it is there's this, this... this thing has this affinity for crusader bloodlines and he runs into an ancestor of his who was a crusader and it's just like henry you you've made this a lot more complicated than it needed to be it was really really intricate so man you know it's it's an old pulpy story so of course there's the the requisite one two maybe three women who just find the the guy from Earth, irresistible, and 
and and and just all sorts of stuff. It it was fun to read because Cutner is one of the better pulp authors. So it's it's a better written story, but at the same time, it's just, you're just sitting here, and it's like, yeah, this is the day of the pulps, when it's like, yeah, yeah, throw in this, I'll throw in that, throw in this, <laughs> what the hell, we'll see what happens, and it's, it, yeah, so it was interesting, it was weird. I just, I enjoy the pulps, so um, I enjoyed reading it, but it was also like, there were elements of it, like, man, 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 this is, this can get weird, so... That's sort of what I've been doing there. I have, actually, I haven't started yet, but I have downloaded uh, Slaying the Dragon. Ah, uh, so Ben Riggs book. Yes, so that's that's on the that's on the to-do list. The only other thing I did is I got another game, RPG. Um, I mentioned Black Pudding, Heavy Helping, and the author of that did uh, kick-started a... Uh, a game of his this summer and it well last summer and it came out finally called Gozer G O Z R already on board yes <laughs> you would you would actually like this uh, um re- remember the den of earth scene from heavy metal barely you know? okay remember all the weird creatures that he was interacting with mm-hmm. you know well, imagine a world where that's that's everybody. Oh, okay. And they're called goos. And goos are what's left of civilization after all the dominant to the four pretty people have expired. And it's basically kind of post-apocalyptic, kind of dying earth. But it's also got a heavy D&D vibe because this guy really likes old school D&D. And so your goos... Basically, you go around and venturing in ruins, trying to pick up artifacts and stuff like that. Kind of Gamma World, but more of a dungeon crawler Gamma World? Kind of Gamma Worldy, y um, with that den, uh, den sequence stuff, uh, throw in some uh, uh, artistic aesthetic of wizards. Very Ralph Bakshi. Okay. And then, um, like Black Pudding, like I mentioned to Barry, this guy hand wrote the whole thing so um it's got that very gonzo like your talented artist friend from high school came up with an rpg and you know just did it all up (laughs) before putting it on the van he put it in the book exactly exactly and this is in full color unlike black pudding which is very black and white but this has got full color stuff and it's it's a fun little gonzo system it really is uh it really really is kind of cool so gozer yep gozer g-o-z-r um i can't remember the uh, publishing house but uh his blog is doom slackers at blogspot <laughs> that's that's something the moment you come up with it you treated trademark it yeah 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 and doom slackers <laughs> is actually because he wants to take the old D bx system and just do a little homage to that not a ripoff, a homage, <laughs> and uh, and Doom Slackers is is eventually what that will be. <clears throat> but I really just enjoyed reading this book. He likes to keep it simple, um, so it's like a uh, I think it's sixty four pages, okay, hardback, and he just crams it full of information, character class things like that, and then nice little little house rule 
addendums to things that are actually very interesting. And I'm, I'm tempted to run something like it, mm. you know, uh, just uh, play around with it, see. But anyway, so yeah, Gozer, G-O-Z-R. Take a look at it, folks. It's a crazy gonzo RPG. So just a dovetail on the, on the guy from Kentucky. Uh, the guy from Kentucky is Paulette's, Paulette's dad. And uh, so we were talking about gamer stuff and everything, alt nerd stuff. And he was like, oh, I, you know, yeah, I did, uh, I did a D&D, but, when, you know, back when I was a kid. But what I really liked was an Avalon Hill game. So we started talking oh, about Avalon Hill. Oh yeah, war games. And yeah. he, he was actually like, is there anywhere I could play that out here? And we were talking about Meepleville and stuff. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cardboard counter games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, and and I said uh, I said I don't know I I like the idea of the war games but every time I asked a friend to start playing I go oh well yeah two hours for setup and I was like oh yeah so I so we just went back to playing Risk that's a war game right he's like Risk <laughs> and he just he was all very dismissive and I just I had said it as a joke it anyway. was awesome and I was like what how dare you next you're gonna tell me Stratego isn't a good war game yeah <laughs> and he's like Risk Risk all you gotta do is just take and then Todd. Shit you not. He goes, you just need to take Australia. 100%. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Oh, and then and I, oh, I, I, I brought this because I talked about, you know, that because he, he was also wanting to know if, like, any of those Avalon Hill games had been adapted to, you know, video games and stuff. And I said, well, well Risk has. <laughs> and, and I was telling yeah. tell him, you know, yeah, my strategy is, yeah, you just sit on Australia if you can get it. Uh, and I said, even at expert level, I can usually get Australia within the first couple of turns and you just sit on that and then you go to South America and then you, and then you get, you know, you get Africa as, as soon as you get the Southern hemisphere, you've won the game, <laughs> <laughs> which is just, yeah, jeez, it's broken DLC is what it is because <laughs> in real risk, you can't go right. across the Southern hemisphere. Well, no, you no. have to go across the northern hemisphere. That's right. So you have to start with, and again, the way that the game is played here, or at least one of the options is the thing where each turn you get to pick a country. So I always make sure I, I get as much of Australia as I can in those first things, and then do either uh, South Africa or usually, if I can, I want to get Madagascar because that yeah. gets out both ways, and then either Argentina or Peru. So as long as you have a beginning country in there then you can that load you can them. fortify yeah then you can load them up with pieces and again just focus on one australia <laughs> to begin with and then south america and then south america gets you africa and you just sit a bunch of armies on venezuela and then eventually you can take over north america and then you win the game <laughs> yeah i gotta i gotta actually i have the uh, down bought i have downloaded risk in fact when i was looking through my steam library i'm like Holy crap, Todd bought me a lot of shit, and I also apparently bought a lot of shit during COVID that I totally <laughs> forgot about. I got, I took advantage of a whole bunch of uh, uh, deals and sales that they did, and I've got a ton of games on there I hadn't even realized. Yeah, I've got Risk on Steam, too. Mm -hmm. um, uh, but then the, the, the sequel to the story is... Oh, boy. You, um, I oh. did try D and D. I did try Dungeons and Dragons. Play a little bit about it. it. Was I don't know. It wasn't quite my thing. I played one or two times. Or 
all sorts of you know weird stuff happening. Somebody got crabs, and I just you know, yeah. I would and we're like, well, and Lewis is like, crap, you played a much funner version of D and D than I ever did. Yeah, <laughs> and then the character or the player. <laughs> yeah, and then it came around again, and he was like, yeah, he goes, <clears throat> he goes, no, really, I had some friends. This must have been 1980. I was still in college, and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> How old are you? And he was like, I'm 62. And I was like, Yeah. I'm like, older than Paulette's dad. And, he, and he, yeah, he's like, I'm not the oldest one here. And he starts dancing around. <laughs> oh, so, God. Oh, but then we'd also, so then we'd also been talking about the whole Andrew Tate, Greta Thunberg thing and uh and talking about alpha males and they don't exist and all this kind of stuff so he says that and i was like oh boy you you 1960s people you 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 got 50 stars on your flag when you were born i had to content with with 48 you beta cuck (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh, you get a few uh champagne cocktails and steve and the phrase beta cuck starts flying around a lot (laughs) then that mr hyde side comes out (laughs) yes indeed (laughs) Get that, get that, get that Potter Clancy Potter. That's uh, right. Beta cucking you. How's your family, Thunberg? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that was a fun evening. But uh, yeah, it was a that was a fun conversation. It was supposed to be a game night, but we ended up uh, just just talk night, just just talking and although and laughing. <laughs> so everyone, so New Year's happens. And everyone pretty much checks out, and I think it's just me, Kirsten, mm-hmm. I think even Lewis and Stephanie. Yeah, no, they were gone. And Paulette goes, should we break out the DC deck build? And I was all, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Steve and I are like, Burp. and you hear from uh, the patio, uh, no. Was that Matt? That was Matt. Oh, of course. Yeah, Matt was. nixed it. I was like, well, we could play some Mexican train. <laughs> <laughs> Which again. By the way, be on on notice, people, because apparently when Andy comes in for town for visit, he's going to school us all on how to play Mexican train. I don't know what that means. I know where I'm not going (laughs) to (laughs) be. So anyway, but yeah, so uh, yeah, it was that was a fun little evening. It felt good to actually get out a bit. I'm not a big goer outer, but I did begin to feel the pinch of isolation when I stayed in isolation. Oh, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah, and I hate it. I missed what would probably be my last Christmas Eve with Francine and Jerry. That was an annual tradition for over a decade. Mm. Yeah. And I was very angry at missing that. That was probably the thing that got me the angriest. So, But by the time New Year's rolled around, I was. they told me I could be maskless. So hopefully I'm not, you know, infecting anyone. But, yeah, that was just about it. Now, uh, now that the New Year is here, my... Editor is pummeling me with messages. I need this. I need that. Do you have any ideas for them? Holidays are over. We got a measure, measure, measure. Get to writing, monkey boy. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, you know, it's a, oh, oh, I, uh, <laughs> I like when they start like this. Yes. Mm-hmm. I had told a story about how my dad's cat would eat some tinsel and yes. get the little tinsel drink. Well, oh no. Well, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Kit ended up with a little uh, tinsel trigger on the old butt. Is a he's just he just c- comes up on bed and he's walking around and I'm like, what's that hanging off? And I'm like, why is that hanging? Oh my god! And I get some tissue, 
and I grabbed this little tiny claw. Shiny, but not as shiny as it should be. Yeah. And then I just, and it's fun because you don't have to actually pull it. You just hold it. And then when they move, they walk away. And, and sure enough, he turned around like, what the, what, 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 what? His eyes were brighter than I'd seen in a long time. He was just like, where the, who, what, what, you, what? Little kitty, little kitty Benoit. Oh my guess, exactly right. You know, except there's there's no Benoit. There's there's no balls to it. It's just the little yeah. Anyway, so that was funny. That was funny. And then yeah, sure enough, cleaning out the litter box, I find one or two little yeah. something to hang on the tree next yeah, year. Yeah, they they look like little uh, little uh, stratego bombs. You know, round clods with this little fuse coming out of it. Oh, God. <laughs> Dear Lord, I don't know what I'm going to do about my beloved icing icicles. Because, you know, <clears throat> apparently that little dipshit has not learned, and he does eat them occasionally. Ah. At least he <laughs> swallows them whole. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Going back to uh, independent RPGs, I saw that on Humble Bundle, the uh, Dungeon Crawl Classics game is on there for mm-hmm. the next, mm. next couple of weeks. So. Mm-hmm. If you want Ooh, to get, get into I, old school D and D style yeah. gaming, uh, that's where it's the base game in about you know, fifteen modules. So I it's, dude, it's a whole it, thing. DCC is crazy. They they those yeah. guys are cranking. Yeah. It's wonderful what they're doing. Um, I actually have the Mutant Crawl Classics, oh. which is the uh, the Gamma World homage. Uh, to D and D through DCC's system and everything, right down to the whole the the hallmark to me of DCC is the character funnel system, where you start off with a whole bunch of zero levels, and you run them through a simple deadly dungeon, and whoever survives, that's your base character going forward. I really like that, which idea. is a funny idea. So, <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah, I I I don't know. I was like. Uh, this guy who does Gozer and Black Pudding, he likes DCC, so maybe I could uh, come up with a funnel idea and start that off, and then we just play that for a little bit and see how long it lasts, because it's all <laughs> wacky and crazy and stuff, but uh, I think uh, yeah, I think the... he uses Descending Armor Class. No. Descending Armor Class! <laughs> that is a fine joy, a, f- oh, a good choice. Fuck so. you, Tor. Yeah, I, I can't figure out because you know again I've made no uh, you know Dungeons and Dragons I play just for the social thing it's not really my jam uh, Call of Cthulhu would be my jam um, but somehow the follow your favorites thing uh, for our, the Dungeon Crawl classic stuff keeps coming up I'm like how is this part of my gothic horror you know I keep going back to my you know uh my algorithms, my choices for the you know mm-hmm. favorites, and mm-hmm. I'm like, how are they figuring right. dungeon well, crawl classics? DCC all? does actually have a lot of uh, push for horror aspect to okay. it. Okay, so the older D and D, a lot of people don't realize, had drew on a lot of Lovecraftian horror. Heck, and the original deities and demigods had Cthulhu creatures in it. Yes, mm-hmm. and and okay. uh, the the whole idea is that you know, I mean, in the older Older D and D, lower level characters are outmatched. All of the uh, Lovecraftian tropes. Yeah. So DCC really leans into that, and uh, I think that's where, you know, that's where that crossover with Dungeons and Dragons is too soft on characters. Oh my! Oh, oh, 
Oh God! There's there's the old man playing RPGs <laughs> Facebook thread right there. Good God! Bunch of softies. They um, there's actually been quite a bit of fuss because uh, Watsi has talked about the OGL 1.1. OGL 1.1. The open gaming license, uh-huh. which is what allows you know uh third party people to release D and D stuff. D and D stuff and. The the one point one apparently they actually set a breaking point of like seventy five thousand or so dollars in earnings or profit or whatever they start they're actually going to start asking for a cut after seventy five thousand profit uh, I I don't know the exact numbers because I haven't gotten too deep into it the the real the real uh, upshot of that is they're uh, they're going to be you know. Guys in uh, trench coats with dark glasses are going to be knocking on Matthew Mercer's door. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what it comes you know? down to. It's and it's, and not, dim- it's not Watsy, It's Hasbro. This is Hasbro's <laughs> yeah, doing. Yeah. yeah, and it's it's uh, yeah. The, for for some of the bigger ones, so there's been a lot of speculation. What will Critical Role do? I mean, it's still two years away. So, but it's like, what will they do? Will because the OGL covers five. You can do five. Fine. You can do three. Or, you know, fine. But, um, and also, actually, technically, you don't need it to, to write your own Dungeons and Dragons game because the Supreme Court decided you can't copyright gaming rules. So you can have your own Dungeons and Dragons rule set, but you just have to be careful with what is trademarked yeah. to make your game. So, which is why the Geek Shock board game will have saving throws. Darn right. <laughs> Save versus spill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Andy tripped on nothing. And there's an entire... There you go. Move two spaces back. <laughs> uh, Chris Baggett has sent a request, a, a Jeff's bad impression request. request. Uh, it's been a while since we've gotten one of those. Mm. And so it's, it's great to see that. So thank you, Chris, for sending that. Of course, we don't have Jeff today. Mm. Uh, but I thought that maybe this time we would give this over to Professor Biggs. <laughs> and uh, and soon you'll you'll realize why. And then when we get Jeff back on the show, uh, maybe we can get his rendition. So uh, Chris writes, could we hear Jeff, in this case Professor Biggs, read the opening of The Fellowship of the Rings as Michael Caine? So <laughs> so if, if it's, wow. it's time for the Caine off of 2023. I love the prep. These, yes, like, he turns his head this way and that. He's yeah. acting. <laughs> you do. You have to get the appropriate posture in. Otherwise, you can't do it. Don't forget to not blink. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't have to look so creepy doing it. Oh, don't I? Oh, shit. <laughs> the world has changed. I feel it in the water. I feel it in the earth. I smell it in the air. Much that once was, much that once was, is lost, for none now live who remember it. It began with the forging of the great rings. Three have music underneath this. Yeah, <laughs> three were given to the elves, immortal, wisest, and fairest of all beings. Seven to the dwarf lords, great miners and craftsmen of the mountain halls, and nine. Nine rings were gifted to the race 
of men who, above all else, desire power. Kane's getting sexier as it goes along. <laughs> oh, yes. I've had a glass of whiskey or two. <laughs> For within these rings was bound the strength and the will to govern each race. But they were all of them deceived. For another ring was made in the land of Mordor, in the fires of Mount Doom, the Dark Lord Sauron forged in secret a master ring to control all others. And into this ring he poured his cruelty, his malice, and his will to dominate all life. One ring to rule them all. Damn. I'm, <laughs> oh. I almost got the shakes and shudders from that I know. That was, I'm, uh, I'm just like... That was compelling. Yes. You know, my agent called me about Lord of the Rings. I didn't understand it. I was with Sean at the time. <laughs> and we were both looking at it going, what is this all about? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do some news you don't give a shit about. <clears throat> oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that. Yay. Yay. Oh, <laughs> yes. Hurt me. Oh, Wow. You know what? He does it every time, but I forget every time that he does it. Yeah. So he does it, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to happen. Yeah. Now. Well, it's because there's usually a whole bunch of us going, yay, no, and, you know, it gets covered up. Sure. You know? but, but, it, but it's still there. Yeah. yeah. You, you can't miss it, but but now that it's just us. Yeah. You. Just saying. <laughs> really? How's your family? Oh my Thomas. God! <laughs> Let's not get Clancy's O face. No, don't give a shit about. Oh no! <laughs> the extreme. Oh my God! I got to start. The extreme <laughs> cost-cutting measures at Warner Brothers Discovery has reached the shores of Westeros. Posting on his blog, George R. R. Martin revealed that quote a couple of Games of Thrones spinoff projects have been shelved. As a direct result of all the changes at HBO Max. Golly gee. Surprise, <laughs> surprise. The upside is that none of them are completely dead. Hmm. Not even the high-profile titles like Batgirl and Westworld were safe when the accountant's chopping block at WB Discovery CEO David Zaslav vowed to slash several billion in corporate spending. To that end, a number of TV shows have already been removed from HBO Max platform so the company can avoid paying out a steady stream of royalties to their creators. As of now, the second season of The House of Dragon is the only Thrones endeavor in active production. Now, while Martin didn't go into specifics about which titles have been paused, he did promise that a number are still moving forward in their development stages, though none of them have received green lights. Uh, we've learned of several shows seemingly destined for HBO Max over the several, last several years. That includes the tales of Duncan Egg, an animated outing, and the Jon Snow sequel featuring the return of Kit Harington. Uh, Martin also provided a brief update, though, on Peacock's Wild Cards adaptation, which is still checking along and will largely draw on from 2011's Fort Freak collection. Uh, The Fort Freak refers to a part of Manhattan where cops and criminals are known to operate uh, a place where every other desk sergeant, detective, and patrol officer is more than human, reads the official synopsis provided by Amazon. Mm. So, So even though the... Uh, of course, the the axes at HBO continue to fall. Uh, <laughs> apparently, we're still getting wild card at Peacock. Uh, yeah. at the, you know what? Uh, with my cable subscription, I was getting Peacock free for a while, and now it's gone, and I don't care. It's 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 like okay, fine, go away. Uh, but this this wild card thing might actually bring me back. Yeah. I, I might do a a uh, 
a limited re-engagement with Peacock to <laughs> to watch that should it ever get finished. Mm-hmm. Of course, who knows? It's, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Marvel's uh, doing an adaptation of uh, the earlier Wild Cards books right now, and uh, so I had to put that on my pull list. And and uh, the the joke at my comic shop is uh, is so you're only getting DC titles. And I said, well, I no, I've got Miracle Man and Wild Cards, and they go. Yeah, so the the not Marvel Marvel comics. <laughs> there you go, yeah, yeah. News you don't give a shit about. Uh, as referenced earlier, there's a lot of stupid Amityville movies that have been released <laughs> since the property hit public domain. Now there's an Amityville Christmas movie that came out called uh, Amityville Christmas Vacation. Chevy Chase in a horror movie? The movie is described as a, quote, wacky parody of both Amityville movies and a romantic Christmas film. Uh, In the story, quote, Wally wins a trip to Amityville and his antics lead to a ghost falling in love with him. Can the spirit of Christmas bring them together, unquote? That's the story. That's it. That's the latest Amityville. Yay. Public domain. Maybe not such a great idea. (laughs) Yeah, You know, it's funny, too, because that... That log line you just read, there's nothing about it that's specifically Amityville. Nope. No. They are just using the word Amityville and slapping it on whatever piece of shit they're making. All right. Yeah. We got to gotta remember that for the Geek Shock board game. That, mm-hmm. that sounds like a, a thing to it. And that card does get ripped up when it's played <laughs> the same. And that's funny because there'll be multiple cards in there. So every time Torgo draws it, he'll be like, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, the, it's the only card in the whole game that gets ripped up after it's played. <laughs> yeah. You found yourself in Amity. What? I didn't even get to finish reading what the card No, is. it's gone. No. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. No, that'll be a special spot on the board. Not quite like jail, but Amityville will be. Oh, wouldn't yeah. that be magical? Just a, a board game that it's not a legacy game, but it's a game that does destroy itself. Yeah. Like there's one spot on the board where lift the next card and destroy it immediately. <laughs> Whatever it is. <laughs> And the, and the icon for that spot will be Barry and Deb screaming. <laughs> <laughs> and news you don't give a shit about. For the last 25 years, fans of director James Cameron's Academy Award-winning film Titanic have had one major problem about the film that they've been very vocal about, and the issue is that in the end of the movie... Leonardo DiCaprio's Jack treads water in the freezing ocean alongside Kate Winslet's Rose, who is inexplicably wearing a life jacket whilst taking up the entire floating piece of wood that's keeping her out of the water. The wood slab looks roomy, and it seems as though Rose could have scooched over a little bit, made some room, saving him from his ultimate demise. But could that have worked? Now, James Cameron is looking to put an end to the debate once and for all. In a recent interview with Post Media promoting Avatar The Way of the Water, Cameron said he's making a new documentary special which will test the hypothesis. Quote, (laughs) We have since done a thorough forensic analysis with a hypothermia expert who reproduced the raft from the movie and we're going to do a little special on it that comes out in February. 
We took two stunt people who were the same body mass of Kate and Leo, and we put sensors all over them and inside them, and we put them in ice water, and we tested to see whether they could have survived through a variety of methods, and the answer was no. There was no way they both could have survived. Only one could survive. I'm guessing they lost a stunt, man. <laughs> it will premiere this this documentary will premiere in congruence with the remastered Titanic, which is headed to theaters this Valentine's Day, 2023. Oh, so, so in true Cameron form, he's doing a documentary about that question that has been the debate for ages. You see, now that's how you tell the man baby stuff. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> it's expensive, but yeah, that's a yeah. good way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Oh, or you just dip a few man babies in the ice water and see how they react. Yeah, really. Give them a door and say, go to it, kids. Yep. Show us how it works. Yep. Show us how both of you survive. Good luck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it, we'll it, be filming. It, we'll be filming. Two it, hours. It's not like a piece of wood is magical. Right. Yes. Wooden ships have sunk. Yeah. Why? Because they just had too much shit on them. Yeah. So I never had a problem thinking, even though that door, that door would have to be about that big to support poor kate wenslet sure you throw leo on that it's going down yeah or if not going down it's going to at least angle so most of them is still underwater anyway right right. you know they won't have to tread water no they just hold on to the door like yeah inches of water yeah Yeah. i just well even the mythbusters did an episode of this really yes and the only way they could get it to work was if the two characters could have found a way to take off that life raft off of Kate Winslet's character and attach it to the bottom of the door in the center somehow is the only way they could figure out a way of, in that <laughs> scenario go. making it work. Yeah. Or but, you but just, even then, how do you do that? Or you get on either side and you just periodically bloop and Oh, rotate, right, right. You know? And just hold your breath for about <laughs> yeah. 30 seconds and right. well, spin around again. What's really funny is that the water is cold as hell. But when you're soaking wet and in that air, uh-huh. you're, you know, and a lot of people might be able to say, well, you know, above freezing's above freezing. Yeah, it's it's all going to kill you. Right. It's still hypothermia. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And especially, I love that, converse, that conversation when it's done by people from the flatlands of California. It's like, when it gets to 60, you people are all like, oh, it's so freezing cold out here. It's like, oh, my God. That's right. Actually, 60 is even being charitable. When it gets to 69, nice. Yes. <laughs> like gets... episode 669 of Geek Shot. Nice. No, five ninety nine. <laughs> that, that's cheap. Yeah. And booze-soaked. <laughs> yeah. Weekend Geek! Yay! Yay! The latest news from James Gunn regarding their plans at DC is that they're actively developing DC Elseworlds projects. A fan asked, are you open to producing any Elseworlds DC products that aren't set in the DCU? Which Gunn responded, that is actively happening, unquote. In another reply to a fan, Gunn shared that a few projects would be confirmed or announced next month. The Elseworlds stories were set outside of the DC Comics continuity. This allowed for more creative storytelling and ended up with some of DC's Coolest and most well-known stories, including 2008's Kingdom Come, Gotham by Gaslight, Justice Riders, The Golden Age, JSA, Liberty Files, more. Red Sun. Red Red Sun. Sun. 
Uh, Gunn also recently teased that their plans are partly inspired by DC animated shows, and he also shared that there will be no interference from the studio on any projects they make. I'll believe that when I see it. Right. Well, technically, that is what Joker and Matt Reeves' Batman are. They're basically... Elseworlds. Elseworlds. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So... The only thing, yeah. The only thing that I have with that is recently, Mister Zaslav has been on record saying, "Why do we have four Batman running around?" Uh oh. So. Uh oh. So maybe, 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 Mister Gunn can go. Well, there's precedent for it. Yeah. And as long as we promote it like that, then people will not be confused. I think Zaslav needs to wake up with a horse heads in his bed. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. You, the well, the other thing about the Elseworlds thing is you can expand on it so much. <clears throat> Imagine doing a bunch of different Elseworlds and then just seeing which characters stick. Oh, it's, you know, who, it's, it's kind of the Dungeon Caller Classics level one characters <laughs> of DC Comics. Right. The, <laughs> yeah, the DC, the DC funnel uh, movie <laughs> approach. But see what characters stick. See who, who jumps out. Who does the audience grab onto? And then you write future movies with these characters crossing over multiverse style and and just oh steve 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 put up a finger yeah he put up a stink finger i don't know what this is about <laughs> it wasn't a stink finger it was a it was a point of order finger. <clears throat> no they're all stink fingers steve. <laughs> okay. all <know> <laughs> um so dc comics uh just finished up their latest reboot <laughs> <laughs> Good. <laughs> Yay! In which the entire it must be Tuesday. In which the yeah, and exactly in which the entire multiverse has been restored. Mm-hmm. So everything from 1985 till now, uh, forget it. No, I'm kidding. It all <laughs> it all matters. It's wait, what? I, I, I'm lost Where's he now. going? I don't know. It, you know, it's no, I don't. What, no, what, yes, <laughs> Steve. So, all right. Well, how was how was Crisis on Infinite Earths? Promoted. What was what was the given rationale for doing strip crime? strip things down and bring it back to one continuity? Yeah. Well, that's all gone now. <laughs> now okay, good. Now, so, but, so their new thing destroyed the crisis of infinite. It yeah. It it basically said yeah. The the multiverse is back. All the Earth ones, twos, threes, fours. Et well, so, they, so they, it's, they, it's, they, it's the Spider Man one more day of DC. Kinda. Except that what they did was. They had um, they had Barry Allen actually <laughs> run. I'm sorry, I heard Barry and I thought of Barry. Well, he is on the back of Barry. the centipede right now, so you yeah. gotta give him some time. Well, Barry and his and his the guy he's attached to, Allen, they have been running. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Barry and uh, Allen. Barry it's and Barry Allen. Allen, but the order is not quite right. <laughs> right. It's Allen Barry. Yeah. Um, anyway, he's been running through the multiverse trying to catalog all the different worlds. And Ooh. and a lot of those are the classic Elseworlds uh, Nice. Worlds. Yeah. And one of them, which I was very happy about, was Earth 789, which is where, the, which is where they have limited heroes. And those heroes are the Christopher Reeve Superman and the, and the um, Michael Keaton Batman. Mm. I like it. I like it. <laughs> oh. And then there's, of course, Earth. 789. Yeah. I see what they did yeah. there. That's yeah, yeah. very clever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh. It, and, of course, there's Earth 66 where Batman fights some unusually benevolent, benevolent uh, supervillains. Yeah, really. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, so they've this time I think they've kind of handled their reboot rather well. Um, because Earth Zero, which is the prime DC universe, didn't really change all that much at all. And uh, it just did allow them to say, well, if you don't like where that story fits, it's probably in one of these other multiverse things. Probably Which is there. where what Grant Morrison said way back when he invented the hypertime thing. Right. It's like all the stories matter. What do you they're all and it's like Alan Moore's thing was at you know when he did his Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow, he said, This is an imaginary story, but aren't they all? Yeah, really. <laughs> no, it's just just create figure out how to make a logic where anybody, any artist, any writer can come in and play with any IP in any sort of manner. Yeah. And just just let them play and and yeah. and I think that that's really after all these decades that's really where you know yeah superhero genre any kind of franchise thing should should go. Yeah. It's just eventually get let go of the continuity thing and just let people play. Yeah. Yeah, and and of course when that when this all sort of got announced, people go, well, well now what is that going to do with the Justice Society? It's like, no, on Earth Zero, the Justice Society and the JLA still exist in that you know post crisis continuity. The Justice Society was World War Two characters. We're now pushing a hundred, so they keep yeah. having they keep having to explain why they're yeah, still yeah, active. Yeah. All that super soldier <laughs> serum going yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. No, it's dealing with Wotan. I think is what is ah, the current uh, explanation. Love the Wotan clan. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, no, that's still that's it. But now there is also an Earth Two where you know then then there was a Superman during Superman and Batman during World War Two, hence the Helena Wayne Huntress and et cetera, et cetera. It's not that hard to fucking figure out. Or mm. I'm just a damn genius reading these things. I don't know. I don't think I'm that smart though. I, just I think, think it, you are. Uh, I just don't think it's yeah, that freaking also complicated. Hopes to be it's good to be steeped in it for decades too. Well that's that's true. <laughs> yeah. And you've got decades, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> your tea is ready, sir. You've got <laughs> 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 Wotan clan, huh? I just got the most horrible images from that uh, white supremacist rappers. <laughs> Man. Because it's really funny. Uh, Justified opens with yes. uh, Gangsta Grass, yes, it does. which is uh, kind of a bluegrass rap That's group. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Then it, but then to keep it comics, it's white supremacists who have some... For some reason, painted their faces green. I don't know. It's uh, no, really, no one <laughs> understands. <laughs> yeah, you got to get the cheddar. <laughs> cheddar is not green. Oh, it is if you leave it out long enough. <laughs> We've been out for long enough. Universal Orlando Resort has added a pair of escape room experiences inspired by two of the studio's biggest film franchises, Back to the Future and Jurassic World. Now open at the Florida theme park, Universal's Great Movie Escape was developed alongside Universal Pictures and Amblin Entertainment. Both rooms are narratively randomized, allowing for repeat enjoyment and customizable based on party size and difficulty. Quote, 
They let us write our own story that runs in tandem with their canon and works along with their canon. We worked hand-in-hand with the filmmakers to really make it authentic, but what is cool is that we were able to weave the story into the gameplay. Nathan Stevenson, show director for Universal Orlando's Resort's Creative Development Group, remarked during an interview with Collider, Back to the Future at a Time transports participants to a museum in the year 1993, where they learn that Biff Tannen has once again messed with the space-time continuum. (laughs) Players must work together, uncovering Doc Brown's clues and find Biff before the timeline is ruined forever, and Christopher Lloyd returns to play Doc. A Jurassic World escape takes place within the high-tech labs of the Dino theme park. Players step into the shoes of prehistoric geneticists, learning how to feed the resurrected animals and create new combinations of DNA. That is until an apex predator breaks free of its enclosure and goes on a rampage. So, yeah, they're they're now available. I think the thing costs like sixty bucks to do. Oh, wow. mm. BD Wong in that second one? I hope so. He <laughs> yeah. belongs in everything. Yeah, BD Wong. It, you know the the changing up the the orders and uh, customization. That's that's the thing to do, man. Yeah. Because yeah. once you've done an escape room, you've done an escape room. You've done it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know, if you if there are people who go around who like to do multiple escape rooms, then you just yeah, yeah, you got them. That's yeah, so, that's great. So are you saying that that uh, escape rooms don't have future playability uh, aspects? No, you rip that shit up when you're doing it. <laughs> <laughs> well, it well it has full replayability, but why would you want to? Yeah, really. Right. You leave the room, then you turn the knob, and <laughs> the room explodes. Except to make uh, your fr- make yourself look smarter than you are in front of your friends when you do it the second time. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, Barry. Boy, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Filmmaker Gerard McMurray, who did The First Purge and The Twilight Zone, has signed on to write and direct a film adaptation of the comic book Black, which takes place in a universe in which only black people possess superpowers. The comic, which was created by Kwanza Osagiefo, and Tim Smith III, with artists from uh, Jamal Ingle and Carrie Randolph, debuted in 2016 from indie publisher Black Mask Studios, uh, with the original series, quote, following Jakeem Jenkins, who discovers his powers after being shot by police. The series was followed by the graphic novel Black, uh, Black AF, America's Sweetheart, which centered on Ellie Franklin, a young girl who becomes a superhero to bridge racial divides in America. The film adaptation will center on a young man who discovers his powers after surviving a violent crime. He soon finds himself in the middle of a war over the future of humanity in a world in which secret society seeks to control the empowered and their abilities, unquote. I'm like on board with this, but that description, the official description of the adaptation sounds so generic. Yeah. It's like they, they took something that's really, really interesting and... Their secret society seeks to control. The, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Thanks again. Always, always mm-hmm. a goddamn secret society. Can we, can we pause that? That secret societies are the new zombies. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Until Boy. they come up with that secret society of zombies. Mm. Secret uh, actually, society of super zombies. Yeah. Mm. Uh, I think that's Marvel zombies. Actually, when I get to it, yeah. Secret society uh, of super Marvel. Man, zombies. I have so many problems with some of their choices. With with what? Uh, go ahead. With, with what choice? You know, the zombies is just the Marvel zombies. Marvel zombies, okay. It's like, I'm sorry. I don't think Wolverine could become a zombie because he's got the healing factor. And I think it would just like, you know. Kill the infection? Yes. 
Exactly. I can see that right. argument. I, I think uh, I, I thought it was funny. But they mean they think they could do it to Galactus. <laughs> they could do it well, to exactly. Galactus. <laughs> Galactus zombie. And then right. they become cosmically powered yeah. superhero zombies right. going from... Because, because yeah. the cos- power cosmic can't fight the zombie virus? Apparently not. Yeah. There is a power stronger than the power cosmic, and that is zombie power. See, that's a, you'll never see DC doing that You know, 20 years later. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I read the first few issues of DC's and I was like, okay, once the Flash and Superman have this, it's game over, right? And then apparently not. <laughs> apparently, <laughs> apparently Superman can get the virus, but average Joes can still somehow evade the Flash and Superman. <laughs> yeah, really. I'm pretty much screwed. I don't know. All right. Okay. All right. I, I'm I'm currently reading. I'm, in my Marvel reading, I am now in June, the end of June 2007. World War Hulk is in full force, <laughs> uh, but the initiative is also in full force. And during this time, there is a uh, a shakeup of the Fantastic Four. Like, like after the Civil War, because uh, Sue and uh, and Reed are on we're on different sides of the Civil War. They take time away from the Fantastic Four to repair their marriage. And in their place is Black Panther and Storm. Which makes for a really interesting Fantastic Four, but the first initiative story, they go to another uh, universe, and the Marvel zombies invade that universe of Skrulls at that time. So, they, yeah, the, the zombies keep poking up their heads at yep. this point. Yep. And at this point, they're cosmically powered, so it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy town. <laughs> right. Well, there was, a, there was one. I never read it. But I know it because it had beautiful covers from Michael Comark, who is an Alex Ross-esque photorealistic uh, uh, fantasy illustrator. He did a lot of Magic the Gathering stuff, and he's fantastic. And, he, and apparently Jack of Hearts, his power was really effective against the zombies. So there are these, you know, and so this one has a lot of Squadron Supreme so he's going oh, okay. up against Hyperion, who is the Marvel Superman, and winning and stuff. Very interesting. But, but uh, I think Marvel Zombies was a concept. I'm sad that it was so successful they decided to make it continuity. Yeah. It was It was kind of started as an Elseworld thing, but it sold so much that, like, we need to make more of this. Yeah. More of this right now. Just stick it in everything. And unfortunately, I mean, you know, Marvel embracing the multiverse, there really is no Elseworlds. Yeah. Yeah, very much you so. Know, you just although you, you know what they did a great job with it in the What If series. Mm-hmm. They, uh, they yeah they nailed that. So uh, so I, I'm I'm glad it happened. It's starting to overstay its welcome because <laughs> I think I've read the third Marvel Zombie series like in this. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you guys are really really pushing it. And of course, one of the one of the, you mentioned Hyperion. One of the one of the current uh, you know fuck you DCs is you know what. Marvel should get Henry Cavill to play Hyperion and when they ever do that Squadron Supreme movie. And it's like, that would be funny. That actually would be funny. Although Cavill in a red-haired wig. And if they decide not to do Hyperion as a redhead. Right. Although, if you're going to if you're gonna switch up, then yeah, Hyperion as a non-white guy, that could actually be incredibly mm-hmm. interesting. Cool. So... Anyway, Mark Meadows. 
Mm. What? Mark Meadows. I think that's Hyperion's. Not so secret identity. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I didn't you know that. Meadows. I, I know I've, Michael B. Jordan. I know Chadwick Boseman, Mark Meadows. I, I've read two years of Squadron Supreme stuff now, and at no point have I seen Hyperion's alter ego. <laughs> I, I just, he's just been Hyperion in the comics. I, well, he, yeah, he doesn't He doesn't actually have one. Right. He, he never really oh, has okay. one. But he, they gave him a name. No one's called yeah. him Mark in these books I've seen so far. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Although I, I might lose respect for him. Mark. Superman's Mark. <laughs> Superman's Clark. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the problem. Yeah. What's your problem? Write to us comments at geekshoppodcast.com. And I want to thank our tier two chili, uh, chili dog tier two members of the Kofi, Mike M., Mama Ninja Scoop, Heidi Johnson, David Highbriar, Scoop Bucky, Aaron Esquire, Minty Scoop, and Two Is One. And of course, our tier four members, King Vault, Deb T., David Farrar, Atomic Gumby, J.R. Kunkel, Leon Mitt, Jeff Harris of tier five, Aussie Matt, Mad Martrin, and Glumley. And a special thank you to our theme song creator, Sam Heffernan. That song is called The Burning Light. And you can find his music at SWH Music on Spotify, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Twitch. And our red light, green light theme, when we do that, is Justin Nozick, a.k.a. Froyog Softserve. And you can find his music at the Plague Physicians. The Plague Physicians. Musicians. I actually like it. The Plague Fuchsias. .bandcamp.com plaguephysicians.bandcamp.com and of course you dear listener Kofi member or no it's you that keep us a popping so thank you so much for listening I am Master Torgo Commander K with featuring special guest star and Professor Biggs we'll talk to you next week <laughs> in Geek mm. wow. I haven't pulled the trigger on that uh, uh, Dungeon Crawler Classics bundle but mm. uh, I, I after this discussion I think I am <laughs> I, I you know I think uh, you'll find it interesting. Because yeah. even if I never play it, and knowing me, it's, it's a distinct possibility. Mm. <laughs> uh, I love reading modules. Yes. Game modules. I absolutely adore them. Just just this this map of... It, it's kind of like looking at a novelist's notes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And mm-hmm. so just the, the world built and all the secrets around us. Like, oh, so if they go here, this happens and so on. And just yeah. the intricacies that they think of to, to make it pop. And I find it very fascinating. Yeah. And they really do try to be very pulp-oriented. They really do try to lean into the appendix <laughs> end. Although they have their own appendix end because they... They don't stay back in the the good old days, uh, which is one of the nice things about what Goodman Games is doing with DCC. So, but Mutant Call, uh, Mutant Crawl Classics. Oh, I hear the Mutant Call, man. It, it, uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've got that, so that could be something run at some point. But, mm. Oh, I want to also throw it's in if we can. got that and crabs. Apparently, the other guys. Yeah, yeah. yeah that you know, uh, yeah. So. Um, uh, thank you, Lewis and Steph, for your great Geek Shock gift. We won't go into details yet because we still got to yes. uh, get other Geek Shockers to get their gift. Yes, but. Not, not everyone has received theirs on this 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 fine reunion of Geek Shock this week. Uh, but, uh, but yes, that's... It's a coming. It's a hell of an amazing gift. Yes. Yeah. yes. That's very groovy. So, and uh, thanks to everybody else. I uh, hope you had a happy holiday. Absolutely. And then have a wonderful 2023, a new year of Geek Shock. Yes. Season 58. <laughs> <laughs> Coming off a 669. Yes. Nice. <laughs> 